you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn with me to the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. Fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. As I was studying yesterday, my thoughts sort of centered on this particular passage. Maybe it was just because I was very tired. I have been, feel like I've been extra tired here lately. I don't know why that is. But this particular chapter is about rest. Um, and that is uh, something I think we all need, we all stand in need of on a daily basis. It is a timely deliverance. It is a timely rest that we are looking for. That eternal rest that we have is definitely not something that we are going to come short of. If it's been promised to us, we shall get it. And that's kind of the way this chapter opens. He's The writer says this, and I say the writer because I'm not completely sure who wrote it, other than God is the author of that, I'm certain of. Um, many people I know are absolutely positive that it was the Apostle Paul. Uh, Brother Houston was one of those. He was, he was positive that this was the Apostle Paul. Did I, what did I say? I said Ephesians. I'm not, I'm not in Ephesians, I'm sorry. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Thank you, dear. The fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. That's how the chapter begins. It is about rest. <laughs> uh, what it's not about is that eternal rest that I mentioned, that uh, that rest that we will ultimately receive as God's children uh, when this life is over. As Sister Helen's favorite song says when this life is over and we're here no more we'll live on in eternity but we will have rest while we are there that is for sure but this is not about that particular rest though though we understand it is one and we will receive it this is a different kind of rest that's under consideration in this particular chapter it is a rest for god's people one that remains the writer here says, let us therefore fear. As I mentioned, as I was about to say, uh, many are convinced that this was written by the Apostle Paul. I'm, <clears throat> sometimes I think that obviously this is in agreement with everything that the Apostle Paul wrote or it would not be in, the, in what we call the canon of Scripture. It would not be here. Uh, but whether or not it was it was him that wrote it, I don't know. But it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who wrote it. We know that it's inspired by God. These are God's words. These are God's promises to us. This is God's instruction to us. And and usually 
I think back to like when I was in college, when uh, when one of the professors would bring up something and say, I want to remind you of this. Let me bring this back to your attention. Those are the kinds of things that we need to really sit up and listen to. Because there's a lot about salvation that we don't have any, any involvement in, any say in, anything to do with. Well, this is part of this is a part of salvation that we need to strive for, or we're going to miss it. That's what the writer's saying. Let us therefore fear, and it's not the kind of fear that. Uh, uh, well, it's a reverential fear. I'll just put it like that. It's one of those kinds of fears. It's one of those not that we should constantly be worried about this, but that we should. Uh, but it would be bad for us to miss this, is what the writer says. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, it is his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. Now I want to make sure we have this in context. Uh, there's an example given in the previous chapter about this incident that the writer here is talking about. And it was about the uh, children of Israel as they were about to go into the promised land. They didn't listen to what it is the Lord said. Um, Let me find a good spot to start there in the third chapter because I want to read just a little bit of that just to make sure we have the context, that we understand what happened. And because if you don't understand what happened, you won't really be able to understand how to avoid it or how to enter into that rest. In the third chapter, he says, uh, I'm going to start at verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, today, there's another passage of Scripture that we find where he uses that phrase, today. It's the 95th Psalm. I might read that here in just a minute as well. But this is, uh, he's, he's, he's explaining what went wrong, what happened, and how they missed out on a rest. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. That's from Exodus chapter 17. As the people of the children of Israel had departed from the land of Egypt and they were uh, uh, headed towards Canaan's land. Now Canaan, Canaan's land, oftentimes people uh, use that as a, as a picture of heaven. Brothers and sisters, Canaan's land is not a picture of heaven. Canaan's land is a picture of the church. It's a picture of the place where we can find rest here while we live as we move towards that uh, place called heaven. He says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. What was the day of temptation in the wilderness? Well, in, in that day, uh, the Lord God had brought his children out of the land of Egypt. He had freed them all from captivity. And, and that is one of the keys about this particular kind of rest. This is available to only those who have been set free. If you are still captive to sin, this rest is not for you. 
Okay, I don't think that's any of us here today. But this rest is for all of those who have been set free. If you've been uh, given the freedom to see who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, if you've been given the freedom to, to know that you are a sinner saved by grace, if you've been set free into the, in that sense, there is a rest for you. The writer here says, don't harden your hearts. What does he mean by hardening your hearts? Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When you, your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. The children of Israel had been uh, released from captivity. They'd been set free. They were uh, headed out of the land of Egypt. They had uh, the Egyptians behind them and the sea before them, as the songs said that we sung this morning um, about the God who lived in the olden times. He, he carried them across the, the sea, the Red Sea on dry ground. He carried them across. And they all saw that. They saw his works. And yet when they finally got to the, to the edge of where they were going, when they finally got there, he sent some scouts and said, scout out the land. Uh, two of those scouts were named uh, Caleb and Joshua. And they were the only two out of all the scouts that went into the land of Canaan that came back and said, yeah, there may be giants over there, but we can take it because God is on our side. They remembered that they had just been led across the sea. They remembered that God just destroyed the armies of Pharaoh and they didn't even lift a finger to do it. All they did was just keep marching. They remembered that, but everybody else, I don't know if they just had really, really, really short memories, kind of like I do, or, or if, if they were plagued with that, uh, at the end of this book, there's a, uh, we have what we call the faith chapter. Chapter 11 is the faith chapter. The fact, chapter 12 the, the writer here reminds us that we ought to do something looking back and seeing all that great cloud of witnesses, all of those who have gone before us. He says uh, in the 12th, the first verse of that 12th chapter, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so doth easily beset us. You see, I think the sin that so doth easily, there my tongue's getting tired. The sin that so doth easily beset us is this particular sin. And it is the sin of unbelief. The sin of not trusting in the Lord. The sin of forgetting that He is the same today as He was in the olden times. We often fall to that particular sin. And that is the sin that gets most of us. Well, that's what happened to them. They Apparently, they didn't believe and they said, no, there's no way we could do it. We're not going to do it. And he said, okay, then you'll wander in the desert for 40 years. And you know what? After, just right after that, they said, oh, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. Let's, we'll go over there and try to, we'll do this. We'll, 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 we'll try to, to win. And several of them win. And they got defeated because the Lord wasn't with them. But that's how we are. We forget who he is, and then we try to go alone. Why is that? Why does that always seem to happen? 
And so verse 10, he says, Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, so I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. The writer says that we need to fear. We need to be concerned about this. Lest a promise of being, a promise of a rest, that we miss it. We don't want to miss that rest. For unto us was the gospel preached. Now the gospel here simply means good news. And that is exactly what the gospel is. The gospel is good news. First uh, Corinthians chapter uh, 15, the Apostle Paul says, uh, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. And he, in the first verse of that chapter, he calls that the gospel. Here's the gospel. The gospel that I'm going to preach and that I gave to you. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. But he was buried and on the third day he rose again according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. It's good news. Well, if you think about what good news is, good news is not the potentiality for something. The good news is not the possibility of something. The good news, good news is just a statement of fact. Much of the world thinks today that John 3.16 is good news, and they translate it this way. They say, if you'll just believe, then you can have eternal life. That's not good news at all. Because what if I don't ever believe? Well, the good news is if you do, it's a statement of fact. If you do, you have eternal life. That's what it means. We don't believe in order to get it. We believe because we have it. So what rest am I talking about here? What kind of rest can we have thinking about those things? For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them why? He tells us. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, there's two possibilities there. There's two, two possibilities. We understand that the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit is faith. Uh, Galatians 5 and 22 beginning tells us the list enumerates the fruits of the Spirit. I don't know if that's every single fruit of the Spirit or not, but he enumerates a lot of them, and one of those is faith. So that you got to have, so if you are a born-again child of God, you will have faith. So one of the options here is that none of these people were born again. That is a possibility in just reading this text. None of those people were born again, and so none of them had any faith. Uh, Paul tells us not all men have faith. He prayed, He said, pray that uh, uh, we'll be delivered from unreasonable men. He's because all men don't have faith. All men just don't. All people don't have faith. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. It is a gift of God. It is not something you can generate in and of yourselves. But if you have it, it means you're a born-again child of God. Just like if you believe, it means you're a born-again child of God. But the writer here says, the gospel, when it was preached to them, the good news, and what good news was it? The good news, and he, he's using the example of them in the Old Testament. He says, go in and and take your possession. <laughs> Inherit your possession. I'll drive them out. Go in and take it. They didn't believe that good news. They didn't believe it. That's, 
good news is that you've been delivered. Just go and here's, here's what's for you. Now, I don't think this means that particular kind of faith. I don't think he's talking about that kind of faith in this particular instance because this is one of those kind to go in and get this salvation or you'll miss it. So it's, a, it's, it's conditional, which means it's timely. It's only good for here and now while we live here. That's why I say the church is a kind of Canaan's land. Because you can come in here and you can have fellowship with each other. And you can sing praises to God and gain comfort from that. And you can hear the Lord's word preached. You can't hear that out in the world. You, you can find rest here. You can find relief from your worries here. You can find relief from your fears here. You can't find that out in the world. So what's the other possibility? Well, the other possibility is that they had the kind of faith that they needed to hear this. They had ears to hear. They were born-again children of God. They had faith implanted in them. But there's the kind of faith that we might call uh, objective faith. Uh, a working faith. Uh, James makes a few statements about faith in his uh, little epistle. James says, uh, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? That's the kind of faith we're talking about today. That's the kind of faith that's under consideration. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. The kind of faith that James is talking about there and the kind of faith that the writer here is talking about is that kind of active faith, the kind of faith that causes you to move towards what you believe in and not away from it and, and right there is the key if you're moving towards it boy you must believe it if you're not maybe just maybe you've just forgotten maybe you don't believe it maybe you don't trust in what he said that's the kind of faith we're talking about the Romans chapter 1 kind of faith uh, Romans chapter 1 gives us the entire picture of faith. Paul says in the first chapter here in the 16th verse, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith, that is the faithfulness of Christ, the faithfulness of God, God's fidelity to, to do what he said he would do to deliver his people from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The living, the active faith, the kind of faith that you get from being confident, being sure that the Lord will deliver you. Being, being able to go down into the lion's den and stand and stare at the lions and to see that their mouths are stopped. Being confident of that. Being confident to stand with uh, your friend Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and say, 
we don't have to be careful to answer the O King. We're not going to bend and bow. We may burn. Remember that song by is it Statler Brothers that sang that? The bit that we we're not going to bend, bow, or burn. I, one of my favorite songs when I was a kid. Loved that song. That, but they said we're not going to bend. But they didn't have that confidence that they wouldn't burn. But they had this confidence. But if it's God's will, we won't. Because God's able to deliver us. You see, that's the, that's the confidence that caused them to stand and speak boldly to the king. That's the confidence that gave them the courage to stand there and not fear. But I, they might have been afraid. I don't know. But they didn't back down. It wasn't the kind of fear that caused unbelief. It might have been this kind of fear. The kind of fear of missing that promised rest. He says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed or mingled with faith in them that heard it. They didn't take, they didn't hear that in an objective way and mix it with their objective faith and say, that's been promised to me by God and I'm going after it no matter what. Because God said I could have it. That's a promise left to me. And God said I could have it. I look around and our, we have so many empty seats here. And I think about all of the people that could be here, that should be here. And I don't know what kind of promises they're seeking after. But brothers and sisters, there is one that is sure. There is one that is faithful. And it's not me. And it's not you. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. The everlasting God. For we which have believed, and here's the, here's the key, we which have believed do enter into this rest. And it, that is just a, again, that's not an optional thing. That is not an if you can believe tomorrow sometime, that'll be just fine. Then it, it, you'll, you'll get that rest tomorrow. That's not what it's about. It's just a statement of fact. If you believe, you found rest. If you trust Him, you found rest. But if you don't, if you don't, you're not going to be rested. There's some examples in, the, the, in Psalms that gives us uh, a picture of this. I said I might read Psalm 95. I will read that, some of that right quick, but it's just the same. He's saying the same thing. He says, uh, uh, Oh, come, Lord, let us sing. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is, is a great God and a great king above all gods in his hands are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills are his also. The sea is his. Uh, he, he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are his people. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hands. Today, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. 
and you know the rest. Don't today, if you hear it. Um, I think it's Psalm. Psalm 73. Listen to what the writer here says in Psalm 73. This is a psalm, this is a psalm of Asaph. He says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had had well nigh slipped, almost slipped. For I was, why did he almost slip? Why, did, why was his, why was his, uh, why was his feet almost gone? Why did his, think of it like this, why was his foundation about to fall out from under him? For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So many of God's children today look out and they see the false truths and the half-truths and the things that they are misled by. They're deceived by these things. He says, for there is no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. When the wicked are failing, this is a, this is a kind of wicked that's not like... Uh, what the Lord talks about in the book of Isaiah. Let the wicked forsake his way and return. That's a different kind of wicked. This is a kind of wicked that Paul talks about there in the third chapter of the book of Romans where there is no fear of God before his eyes. He's firm in death. Why is he firm in death? Because he's not afraid. He's, he's close to the end. He thinks, boy, I've done great. I'm not worried about it. I've got it all. I've done it myself. I've got nothing to fear. No bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with uh, fatness. They have more then they have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak. I'm just that's that's enough of that. A lot of times we look at them, and not necessarily the people, okay? Not necessarily, but it's just the world and the things of the world. This is a picture of the world and the things of the world. And a lot of times those we look out and we see those things, and they, they seem so appealing to us. And we get envious of them because they, you know, they're not worried about anything. That's one thing that seems to plague all of us is we're all worried about something. Well, that ought to make you feel good because we're not in this crowd. We're not with this group. We're not plagued. We're plagued by something. Um. Psalm 38 is kind of a contrast to that. The Psalm of David, to bring to remembrance, it says. 
O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. What, why has he not found rest? Because he knows he's a sinful man. Why were the wicked resting? Why was there no trouble? Why did they not have any trouble? Because they weren't aware of their sin. There's no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over my head as a, a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink as are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled, and I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long, for my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. There, there's a two... two Distinctly different kinds of people there. One doesn't know they need rest and the other one desires it. Paul says, I say Paul. <laughs> the writer here of the Hebrew letter says, for we which have believed do enter into rest. For we which have believed <coughs> Rest is not found anywhere other than the Lord. That's where true rest is found. That, and I, I couldn't have picked a better song to sing this morning than the God who lived in the olden times is just the same today. That, that's a perfect song for what I had on my mind today. We don't need to forget that. We don't need to forget what he is capable of, what he has done. Just like the children of Israel, as they were led out, it seems like the very next day, and it wasn't long, I don't think it was the next day, but it wasn't long after they had just crossed Jordan, not Jordan, as they had just crossed the Red Sea, as they had just seen the armies of Pharaoh destroyed. He says, go inherit your inheritance, and they wouldn't go because they were too afraid. Too afraid. For we which have believed do enter into rest. It's a statement of fact. As he said, I have sworn in my wrath if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished before the foundation of the world. Now he says, he, he phrases it this way a few times in the next few verses that I'm, I don't really understand the way the, the, the way they put this in, in their word arrangement, that is the, the translators of the, this, the King James text that we have. But he brings that up over and over, as I've sworn in my wrath, Maybe, see, that's, I think he's bringing that out to make sure that we, we understand that this is something we need to be concerned about, that we need to fear unless we miss it. Don't, don't, don't be on that end of it. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day. He's given us an example of rest. And he's given us an example of the reason why we can rest. You notice he said there at the end of that third verse, he says, uh, 
uh, if they shall enter into my rest, colon, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. And he's going to give us an ex He's going to, I guess, expound on that example. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. Now, why do you suppose God rested? You think he was tired? God, God does not tire. God is not like we. I, I think I, I feel tired all the time. I, I am, yeah, I feel tired all the I can sleep 10 hours and wake up and I feel tired. All the time. Sometimes I sleep two hours and I'm, obviously I'm tired. But God didn't stop and rest because he was tired. You see, God had a purpose in the creation, and that's what it's talking about. The, the, the creation of the world in, in, the, in the six literal days. That's God created everything there is in six literal 24-hour days, I believe. I believe that's what the, the scripture teaches us. And then on that seventh day, he rested. He ceased from his work. Why? Because it was finished. That's the point. The point is he stopped. And he could rest because he was finished. For he spake in a certain place on the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his work because it was finished. Again, <clears throat> and in this place again, uh, if they shall enter into my rest, he goes on and re-emphasizes the fact that if you want to enter into my rest, you have to remember that the work is finished. I think that's what he's saying. Remember that the work is finished. And if you remember that, you can rest. The Brother Houston's favorite passage that he quoted so often, the Isaiah 40 and 1, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished. That her warfare is accomplished. Not can be, not might, will be one day, is. You know, God, it's, when, when God speaks about us being glorified there in the, the eighth chapter of the book of Romans, he says we already are glorified whom he uh, called, then he also justified whom he justified, then he also glorified, past tense. Why, how can he speak like that? Because it's good as done. You see, when God says it, it's as good as done. Even if it hasn't happened yet, it's still just as good as done. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, we have to keep in mind that God is faithful. He'll do exactly what he says. He says, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter and they to whom it was first preached entered not. You see, that's our example. It, what, what we have here in Scripture is uh, did, I, did I say some of you this morning about inculcation? Okay, so that is, that's what we have in Scripture. Inculcation. Okay? Uh, teaching over and over and over and over. The same exact thing. Why? Why do we keep listening and hearing to the same exact thing over and over and over? So it'll get inside our heads and stay there. So that we won't forget about the God who lived in the olden times. We'll remember those things. And then we'll remember that he is still that same God. He is still seated on his throne. 
We hear these things time and time again. God reminds us of these things time and time again. These examples. I, I, I'm certainly glad that I was not born uh, an Old Testament Jew. <laughs> I'm certainly, certainly happy about that. Um, because they, out of all the peoples of the world, that I don't, I don't know why, I don't know why other than it was God's choice, but out of all the peoples of the world, he chose them to use, to give us an example from. I'm thankful that I'm, I don't have to be, that I'm not an example for the world, okay? I'm thankful for that. It must have been hard. I can't imagine how difficult it was. But he says, look at them. They missed the rest that I had for them. I promised them rest. And it was right there. And they could have had it. And they missed it. Did they miss eternal life? No, absolutely not. They didn't miss eternal life. All of those who were promised eternal life have it for sure. If you had been promised eternal life, you will receive it. I don't know how many they are, but I know it's a great number that no man can number out of every nation and kingdom and kindred and people in time. I know it is. And every single one of them will have it. But, but this rest, you can still have rest right now. You can be relieved of all the doubt and fear and worry and the strife and struggle and the Again, he limiteth a certain day. So, so he's speaking of specifics, and he's speaking of certain days. And this is what I meant a while ago about when he used the phrase today. That's the day he's, he's saying you can get this. You can't get this yesterday, obviously. You can't get this tomorrow. This is not for tomorrow. It's for, it's only, you know, you've heard the, you heard the old advertisers, how they would say, this is a one-time good deal only. Tomorrow it's going to be gone. The only time we have a promise of this rest is right now. We're never, we're not promised tomorrow. We may not get a tomorrow, but we got it right now. He says again, he limiteth a certain day. He's bringing out a specific day and he's, uh, he says in, in David, in that Psalm of David that we read there, that 95th Psalm, today, after so long a time, it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. If you hear him speaking, if you hear the declaration today, what's he calling you for? There are so many examples of this timely deliverance, of this timely uh this thing you can get relief from, but one of, I think one of the most clear and one of the most, uh, in, one of the easiest to understand is that is, is simply coming into the church. Coming into the church. You know, when you continue to do those things that you know are not... Um, When God says, I'll put it like this, when God says do it, he's, he's showed us an example of what happens when you don't. God says to his people, I have a place 
for you to rest while you're here. Come on in. Peter talks about this a little bit. He says, uh, first chapter, or the in First Peter, the third chapter. He gives us a, a, a picture of this salvation. He says, um, First Peter 3, 20. Which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing wherein that is eight souls were saved by water. The like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us. And he's clear to make sure that we understand that this kind of saving is not the putting away the filth of the flesh. It doesn't get rid of our old sin nature. It doesn't take that sin nature away. But it's the answer of God. The answer of a good conscience toward God. It will allow you to rest. It will allow you a heavy burden will come off your back. And it will allow you to rest. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, today, if you will hear, after so long, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, and here's, a, I think it's a reference to Joshua, I believe it is. You'll, if you look in the, probably in the center column of your Bible or in the margin, it'll probably say uh, that is Joshua in this. Uh, it says, for if Jesus, and of course, Yeshua is the, just the, it's the same word in Greek as for Joshua or Jesus, same, same name. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would not, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day? And I think he's referring to the, when they did go in. He says, when they did go in, ultimately, after 40, 40 years, that there were many that did go in. Joshua and Caleb were the only two from that generation that did get to go into the promised land. And when they did go in, they were still disobedient. They were still disobedient. They still didn't do all the things that God had said. So he keeps speaking of that day. It's today. Today, if you'll hear his voice. Because that's the rest that remains to the people of God. And, it, and here's the good news again. For he that has entered into his rest has also seeked, ceased from his own works as God did from his. So let us labor, therefore. <laughs> let us work to rest. Let us work hard not to forget what it is that God has done for us. Let us work hard to constantly remember what it is that God is capable of doing for us. Let us not give in to that old sin nature. Let us not give in to that sin that so doth easily beset us, which is faithlessness, which is unbelief. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, the psalmist says. 
and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths that path is the path of rest i hope the lord helps us remember that as my prayer